Hello everyone, Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14-yard NFL podcast. Yes, welcome in everybody. Do not adjust your sets. We are indeed a day late because me and Josh are gluttons for punishment. Not only did we suffer Browns defeats most Sundays, we decided to tune into Monday Night Football last night as well. But we'll uh, we'll gloss over that very quickly and we'll get back into NFL talk. And welcome Steve back to the podcast first and foremost. Steve, how are you buddy and how was your couple of weeks away stateside? It was very good, thank you, mate. Um, managed to to get to my first ever game stateside, stateside, which is excellent. Um, got to the Eagles Jags game in in uh, in week four. Um, as I'm sure most people saw, it was an absolute rainstorm. Um, we got the back end of Hurricane Ian, um, and it was just torrential rain all afternoon. You couldn't get away from it. We bought those big like beanbag ponchos, and even by the end of it, I was just soaked through to the skin. But hell of a game. What an experience. Um, I heard a guy behind me say that he'd been to plenty of games that were colder than that, but none that were wet and windy as that. So <laughs> that's pretty wild. Uh, ended up being a good Eagles win, which was really good to see as well. So yeah, really cool to get to an actual a US NFL game because I've been to a couple of the Wembley ones, but um, yeah, really good to see one in the States. So yeah, and managed to get to Fenway Park as well. So a little bit of baseball added on the, on the end there as well. Excellent, mate. Excellent indeed. Yeah, baseball kicking into the uh, postseason, isn't it? So welcome back there, mate. Good to have you back. And uh, for the final time for a couple of weeks, I welcome Joshy because Josh is off on his holly bobs after today. So uh, how are you, matey? I'm feeling good about the fact that I've got that on the horizon. Yes, only uh, only another day and a half before I head off. But baseball's kind of uh, softening my, uh, you know, kind of healing my wounds as well when it comes to sport. Like you say, glutton for punishment, Sunday and Monday. It seems to be that the Garden, Guardians is the only thing going right at the moment. And they've got the Yankees tonight. So probably by the time I get on that plane, I'll be... Uh, I'll be sad enough, mate. Don't worry. Back to my usual <laughs> glum from yourself. <laughs> well, let's start off with some positivity, though, fellas. I'm sure that you both picked out something that you love this week in the NFL. So, Steve, let's start with you, mate. What uh, what caught your eye in week five? So, the one thing that I picked out was happened actually last night in Monday Night Football. And I'm sure everyone's seen the statistic, which is Travis Kelsey's wonderful stat that he had four receiving touchdowns last night, which you'd think with Travis Kelsey, that's probably pretty normal. He's that type of player. But he did it with having only 25 receiving yards, which is wonderful. I read I read that previous to this, there was something like uh, something like 90 players or so have had four receiving touchdowns in a single game in the NFL. And the lowest ever receiving yards to go alongside that was 93 Um Set by Marvin Jones in 2019 for the Lions. But apart from that, everyone's gone three figures or above. So 25 yards, four touchdowns. Kelsey was on fire last night. And also as well, what went under the radar because of that stat was that Kelsey tied the Chiefs record, franchise record, for a catch in 131 straight games. 131 (laughs) straight games that Kelsey's had a catch. That's unbelievable. 
But um, yeah, Chiefs rolled on, and uh, yeah, it was a, a nail biting win towards the end. But um, some of the stats around um, Patrick Mahomes' record when he's ten points or plus down, and he, in his career he's something like twelve and seven, and the the entire rest of the NFL is like point one six eight when it comes to it. So the, the, the Chiefs are just so good when they're down. When they're down and it looks like they're out, they're going to this like third gear and they just Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are, are are a demon set when they're down. Yeah, most definitely. Interesting game last night actually, Josh. We obviously normally pod on a Monday so we don't get to talk Monday night football very often, but it was a good closer for the week. Um it ended up being a one point win for the Chiefs. A um, couple of noteworthy incidents coming out of this, which you, you you can probably pick up on in terms of stuff that happened off the field. But in terms of on the field, obviously the Raiders did have a chance to actually tie this one up um, when they actually scored a touchdown with about four and a half minutes left in the ball game. But they decided to try and go for the two-point conversion. Obviously came up short, ultimately ended up losing by that point. Although I suppose you could make the argument that actually they did actually get the ball back following that decision. So you could have argued, well, you know, they had a chance to rectify it, even if it was a mistake. Your thoughts on it, mate, in terms of the game as a whole? The game as a whole was pretty good. Um, obviously, it's the AFC West matchup that we've been looking for for a while. We just didn't expect it to be the Chiefs versus the Raiders to give us that. Um, the, you know, the, the Chargers game was of a similar ilk. The Chiefs fall down early. And then they have to fight their way back. This time, it was probably more on merit than anything else. This is obviously a bit of a, uh, a non-starter conversation. Had the Chiefs actually kicked their initial extra point, um, just to see that then uh, hidden back the other way was the Raiders. And again, this is where an analytics sort of shoots itself in the foot because it's about the points that are on the board. And like you say, the Raiders were able to get the ball back. In that case, why not guarantee yourself the tie at least? Um, at the bare minimum, you get overtime. And if you trust your defense to get the ball back for you, at least you've got some time to go. Um, yeah, it's one of those where, again, and this conversation rocks up almost every week now, definitely every season where it's a case of take the points or go for the win via your analytical spread or whatever, and usually football wins. Yeah, it does seem to more often than not at the minute, doesn't it? There were some crazy decisions. I'm sure we may talk about at least one or two of them throughout the course of the next half an hour, 40 minutes or so. Um, the other noteworthy thing coming out of this one, Steve, Devontae Adams, um, decent day in terms of the box score, in terms of a couple of touchdowns, obviously big yardage on the night, um, but probably be remembered more for his reaction post-game. Yeah, um, it's not a nice incident. Um, it's something that you hate to see. Um, I get that he's frustrated and I get that he's he's wound up that they've lost by such a close margin to a, to a divisional rival, but there's just no excuse for it. There's no, there's no need for what he did. For those who haven't seen, he, as he's walking off the field, there's a, a photographer, I think, um, stood in his, not really in his way. You know, he's got a giant tunnel to walk down and he just shoves him down, like just shoves him straight out of his way. The guy falls down and he just walks past him, doesn't even help him up. Like it's, per it's absolutely on purpose. It's intentional. Um, and it's just one of those things. It's like, why did you do that? What an arsehole. Um, so yeah, I think he's going to get in some hot water for that, and I would like to see a ban, even if it's just a game. Like you just can't do that. Like 
It's not like it's on the field. It's not an opponent. You know, it's not like he's he's getting chirpy with an opponent or maybe trying to punch someone in the helmet like some of these players do. Um, it's just a, a photographer. He's a guy there doing his job and he's just assaulted him essentially. So yeah, not not nice, which is a shame because it puts a sour note on the game. Like the, the you know the catch I, I mentioned it earlier, the the throw from Derek Carr on the final touchdown, the on the run throw to to Devonte Adams was sublime. Like that's such a good touchdown, and it was wonderful to see. And I think Devonte Adams has sort of struggled to get going a little bit in Las Vegas, and he's not quite lighting up like he did in uh, in Green Bay. And I think you know perhaps people were over egging the the chemistry that them two had from their Fresno State days. Like, that was a long time ago. And, and you know, a lot of people were sort of pinning that on on it being coming back. And and it's so far they're one and four and things are really looking a bit a bit ner- nervous for, for Las Vegas. But, yeah, just put a sour note on what was actually a really good game. Yeah, I think uh, all things are trending towards a suspension. We'll obviously keep our eyes peeled to that one. Josh, what did you love this week, matey? So I'm going to be a little disingenuous here. I'm going to start off by it, and then it's going to sort of turn around towards a negative. Um, so I love that every year the NFL finds a way to shoot itself in the foot through officiating. Right? It will find something it fixates on. Maybe it's an overcorrection to something which was bad on the field at one point, and you know people are calling for a change, but then it goes too far. This year's example has come at us in plain sight, of which is protecting the quarterback. Now, the roughing the passer rule, in any case, has upset fans for ever since it became a massive part of the game where they first started to really protect the quarterback. Um, some of the rules of which were brought in off the back of Tua's, um, Tua's injury against the Bengals last week have been good. For example, the, the the rule that you know if you are showing signs of ataxia, for example, you are treated in the same vein as having a concussion. Teddy Bridgewater was rightly brought off um, as a reason for that, which is good. It means that we're taking head injuries more seriously. However... There were three roughing the passer calls this week, of which were quite frankly ridiculous. You've got Tom Brady's now infamous one against the Falcons, where I actually can't find the fault. It's a perfect tackle, right? Doesn't even actually bring him down with all too much force. It's more the fact that Brady goes limp than anything else, of which causes the flag there. Uh, Jared Goff was able to somehow get a flag. Um, for some guy on the back end, giving him a little tap after the ball was... And when I say a tap, I mean literally a hand was put on him. He didn't actually move or anything, but it was still worthy of a flag. And then we've just spoken about the Chiefs Raiders game last night. How on earth um, Derek Carr was able to get a flag out of that situation, I have no idea. It turns out it's because of full force being applied to him whilst being in a passing motion if you're stepping forward in the pocket and your and and your pocket is broken up you are fair game and unless you are actually coming in to do serious damage to him you should not be putting a flag up they are overprotecting these quarterbacks now actively from this tour situation and it's going to kill the game but in terms of what I like about it is that 
this is going to be the one thing which is spoken about until the end of the season, of which means that we are very likely to get a reversal of it in the summer. So next season, we should see a hell of a lot more hits on quarterbacks because they're going to have to do some overcorrection here at some point. Yeah, it's it's been a bit of a bonkers week. Like you say, the Tom Brady one, it's because it's Tom Brady that it's getting all of the attention that it's getting. I actually thought you were going to go to the one in the Browns game because that, to me, is probably the most ridiculous of all of the ones. It's not as high profile because of the game that it was in, um, but it was one on the Chargers, Sebastian Joseph Day, which was just, I don't even think, I don't even think he tackled Brissett. I think he touched him. Um, and that ended up being a penalty. Um, so it was a bit crazy. In terms of the concussion stuff, though, Steve, I'll throw it to you to get your view on it because I'm kind of I'm kind of on the fence on this one because I think it's obviously important. I'm not trying to to sort of downplay the significance and the importance of the safety and the protection element, particularly when it does come to head injuries. But we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast when Tua went down. Um, and ultimately assumed that the protocols that have been fairly successful over the last few years would have been upheld and all of those type of things. It then obviously came out in the week after that that there was some failings in that process and failings with the individual in particular, and I think that's the key thing there, with that individual. That individual's been removed. It seems a bit of a stretch to now sort of change the entire rule book completely because that one individual... Um, cocked up, for want of a better word. It's probably a little bit ironic and almost poetic justice that it ends up being the Dolphins that are on the receiving end of these new rules in the first sort of week that they're applied. But it ultimately meant they ended up playing this game without a quarterback that, in theory, could have come back onto the field. So it's a very fine line that we've got to tread here. But, you know, I think like Josh has probably just said there, it almost feels as though we've taken a leap a little bit too far and probably need to shuffle back a couple of paces. I mean... I'd be hesitant to criticise any further extension and application of the concussion protocol because I think it's a really serious issue. Um, you know, you look at some of the guys that in the played in the seventies and eighties. You know, for that like that was those guys on the Steelers' offensive line that have since taken their own lives because they've got horrible had sorry had horrible CTE and couldn't handle it anymore. And obviously, all the research that's gone into head injuries and concussions and how that can lead to, you know, issues. And it's it's becoming a big issue in rugby as well. Like Steve Thompson, the old England hooker, you know, has is, is suffering from dementia and he's in like his early 40s and he's suffering from dementia. And he said there's whole parts of like his England career that he just can't remember anymore. You know, so this is a really serious issue. And I'm all for if, if there is, if there, because obviously they've gone from a situation where, where Tua had the, the obvious issue of of being concussed. Everyone who was watching the game could see it, and yet he was still allowed back into the game. And it's because he passed the in in Verticomus protocols. Um, but it's like, well, you know, there needs to be an obvious sort of a, a, a stopgap where they say, no, you you might have passed these protocols, but you are showing signs visually of being concussed. If it's if that's dizziness, if that's you know struggling to walk in a straight line, if that's the the whole fencing thing when they go down and they freeze and all that sort of stuff. Like and that's why they've brought in this independent person who which is why Teddy Bridgewater didn't go back in, because although he passed the protocols, he was showing signs of being concussed so they didn't let him back in. If that if that helps Teddy Bridgewater's career and if that helps his health over the longevity of his life, then I'm all for it. I'm absolutely all for it. Like life is more important than this game. 
and we need to accept that concussions are a serious, serious issue in a game that you know is a is a massive physical game where a lot of people go head to head all game every game. And so having better protocols in place, I think, is a is a good thing. And I think it's going to make teams now maybe think about, you know, do we dress a third quarterback? Do you have someone ready to go in emergency situations where your where your two quarterbacks go down? It's obviously it's rare that it happens. And the Dolphins were put in a very unique situation where they lost two. And that's very rare that, that happens. You know, you can probably count on one hand the number of times in the last decade where a team's lost two quarterbacks in a single game. It is rare. But you know, I think we need to allow these things to come in and to improve the game and improve the safety. But I think on the back of Josh's point, you you sort of flip it over the other side. And, you know, there's one it's one thing improving concussion protocols and, you know, improving the the standards that we hold to the to the guys that are on the field and showing signs of it. It's a whole other thing when it comes to throwing erroneous flags to pass rushers that are, you know, it's coming to the point where are they even going to be allowed to touch the quarterback? Now, I think they changed the rules a couple of years back. I, th- I want to say it was Tony Romo. I could be wrong. He had the full weight of a defender go down on him and he was it was like, it was perpendicular to the field and he snapped his collarbone because he had the whole weight of a defender on him. And I, I, I've got a feeling that it might have been him that prompted the rule change. And so they, they changed it so that the defenders couldn't bring the quarterback to the floor and then put their whole weight onto them to prevent them breaking bones that easily. So that was a big change. And I remember the season that came in, it was quite difficult to get used to. There's lots of flags flown thrown sorry in the first like five or six weeks because defenders are trying to get used to it how do you tackle someone without taking them to ground you know but they've gotten used to it and now with this hitting a whole other level the one in the Chiefs game last night was unbelievable how that was rough in the past that was like a, a, a textbook sack like he took him down you couldn't have asked him to do any better and they threw a flag and it's just couldn't. and I think it's one of those things where I think it will become reviewable I think that's probably a good answer. Do you make it reviewable? And then do you send it upstairs and say, look, well, let's have a second opinion on this. Is he actually rough the passer? Or have I seen something that's perhaps not there? Yeah, I know Josh's reaction there was oof. And look, we could probably talk all night about it. It's an interesting one because obviously the you know that generally results in a 15-yard a fresh set of downs. And they they are game changers, aren't they, these penalties, yeah. you know? So yeah. It'll be interesting to see what the league do, but certainly it seemed to be high on the agenda this week. Let's start to whip through some scores, fellas. We're nearly 20 minutes in, um, and then we'll get into a few of the other games. Um, so let's go back to Thursday night football. Don't really want to remind people of it because it was a snooze fest, wasn't it? The Colts 12, Denver 9. Um, two sides that have really so far flattered to deceive. Really, really poor from both teams. Although with that being said, this game is two sides of the ball. Both defences for these respective sides are actually very, very decent. If either offence could actually get out of its own way, they might have a team on their hands in either of these um, scenarios. Detroit, biggest scorers going into this weekend, completely blanked on the scoreboard. New England taking this one 29 points to zero. Um, the second start of Bailey Zappi, but Bill Belichick with another coaching masterclass. But well, Bailey Zappi probably leads us nicely, Steve, into one of your first talking points of the week, and that's the amount of quarterbacks that we're seeing that aren't sort of scheduled to be the team starters. We've just kind of mentioned it there. Will team start dressing three? Obviously, for New England, Bailey Zappi was third on the depth chart, and here he is now starting games. Um, so talk, talk us through your first talking point of the week, mate. Yeah, I think it's just it's one of those things where you you've sort of noticed it creep in over the last few weeks, but there's a number of like backup guys that are coming in and playing really well. And like to the point where, you know, it's got it's got 
Nick Foles 2017 playoffs sort of vibes going on. Um, and they're, they're coming in and they're playing really well and doing a good job. And, you know, you, you, you can't start anywhere else other than Cooper Rush. Like, Cooper Rush is undefeated. He's 4-0 and all with that Cowboys team. A Cowboys team that a lot of people thought the offense was going to lack. And, you know, that defense is, is excellent and it is carrying them through games. But full credit to Cooper Rush. Um, I don't think he's thrown an interception yet, if I'm correct. Um, you know, he's playing really he's, he's playing really well. Um, and you know, he's he's carried that, you know. We I remember it was on, on week one, week two pod when when Dak went down, talking about, you know, you look at the the, the Cowboys next six games, if they can get to two and four, that'll be good for them. And then Dak can come back and win, you know, maybe six or seven games and get them to five hundred. They're four and one. And they play you the don't Eagles. Put Dak back in. Don't put yeah. that back in. <laughs> they play the Eagles on Sunday night football this week, and that's going to be a tasty game. That is, but like, and 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 I was while I was in the states last week, I was I found myself watching um, some NFL coverage, and, and one of the talk shows they were talking about, and this was before the week four and five games. This was this was after week three, and obviously he'd won his his first two, um, and they were talking about Rush's performances, and then you you exactly as you just said, Josh, how far does it get it before you just keep him in? How you know how much is a starter's job? It's starter's job if they're really injured and then they they spend sort of six, seven, eight weeks on the, on the sidelines. You know, do you if they, if it's going well, do you put them in? Do you do you risk upsetting the apple cart or do you just leave it as is? It's a really interesting question because Dax the guy, Dax the the one that's got the big contract, Dax the one that can get you touchdowns anywhere in the field. He can he can he's a bit better with his legs, I would say, than Cooper Rush is. He's a bit more accurate, but. Cooper Rush has not put a foot wrong yet. Like I said, he hasn't thrown an interception. Why would you bring him out? It's a really interesting dynamic. And it's not just Cooper Rush as well. Like you said, Bailey Zappi has, you know, when, when Mac Jones went down, a lot of people probably thought the Patriots would would crumble a bit. And, I'm, you know, Bailey Zappi's not, not um, you know, the next Aaron Rodgers or anything, but he's, he's, he's playing well enough to make you start asking the question, like, okay, you know, usually a backup quarterback comes in and it's a it's a, a steamroll. You know, I mean, obviously there's one that we were Kenny Pickett that we probably won't mention. He got absolutely steamrolled by the Bills, but that is what you expect to happen when a backup comes in. That's the the type of result that you expect. But there are quarterbacks out there that are making it making a name for themselves and sort of playing well enough to make to, to ask coaches questions. You know, I would even say your guys. You know, with Brissett, like, you know, he's not he's not tearing up trees but he's playing well enough he's given a good account of himself and i think probably more so than you guys probably expected um you know and then and that leads me on as well to, to i know he's not a backup but gino smith like gino smith through week through five weeks has the highest quarterback rating of any quarterback in the league that's yeah. how well you know playing and everyone wrote him off when Russell Wilson was traded and he went the other way, everyone was laughing at him. It was a laughing stock. This Seattle team were going to be number one pick candidates. You know, the offense was going to be awful. They didn't have any offensive line. The defense is dreadful. And yes, they're not winning games handily. They're not five and all. But Geno's keeping a minute. His his touchdown pass to um, Tyler Lockett was sublime. Two of them. Absolutely yeah. thunderbolt passes. Like He's playing really, really well. So it's the year of the backup. And I think there's more teams are going to start thinking, okay, well, if the, if the hot hand is still hot, then keep it hot. You know, d don't change it. If it ain't broken, don't fix it. Yeah, it's hard to Didn't disagree. We say, Go on, sorry, Sean. Didn't we say last year at some point that the quarterback position is becoming one where if you don't have an elite quarterback like Josh Allen, like Patrick Mahomes you know, like one of these quarterbacks that realistically the rest can be quite interchangeable if you have the right system and 
you know, have the hot hand. And we're going to see a lot more of these almost stacking mid-level talent on paper simply because you're then able to, you know, do a lot more and probably pay um, star positions elsewhere and win games in other areas as well. You know, if if we start seeing the likes of Geno Smith and Cooper Rush, etc., you know, going about this on a much more consist- consistent basis, does the role of the quarterback change on an NFL roster if you don't have a bona fide top five quarterback? It's it's a really interesting point because I've always been of the belief because of the way that quarterback contracts are going or have gone, it's just whoever's the next in line that gets paid the the huge money, you know. And I think yeah. Cleveland's a perfect example of where they were headed with um, uh, with Baker Mayfield because he was yeah. next in line to be paid. But you're not going to pay Baker Mayfield forty five million dollars a year. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like thirty maybe, thirty five maybe. You do that, but he's not going to take that because he thinks he's proven himself. So it's really interesting. Do you then roll the dice again? Go back to the draft or pick up a, a you know a, a a veteran quarterback or a journeyman, you know, someone like a, a Matt Ryan or a Russell Wilson or you not know, Russell Wilson's probably a bit better. So is Matt Ryan probably a bit better than the word journeyman, but you know what I mean. Um, and then do you then build around them? Because unless you have a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen or an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady, you're paying these guys $45 million a year, which is what a quarter of the cap. Like you can't load talent around them. That's why Brady was so good for so long because he didn't get paid the big, big money. And he allowed the, the Patriots to build around him a bit more. It's, you know, you wonder why the, the Packers are struggling because um, Aaron Rodgers has signed this massive, like, monster $50 million or whatever it is a year contract. And now they've got no wide receivers because they couldn't afford to pay Devontae Adams. And look at them now. Like, they've, they've just lost to the Giants. So it's a really interesting question. I think it is a case of if you haven't got a top five guy, do you just roll the dice again and trust in your scheme? Yeah, I think we're going to see more and more of it. And like you say, with these contracts getting more and more expensive, um, a lot of teams are going to go down this route because, as you say, it's an awful lot of money to be tied up. And there's too many examples of teams that have paid for the quarterback and then ultimately regretted it. You know, you know, look at Detroit as a prime one. I just mentioned and they're being shut out this week. They obviously picked up Jared Goff, who'd got a massive contract from the Rams after getting to the Super Bowl. But they ultimately decided they had to part ways with him to actually get over the line in the big dance. So... It'll be interesting to see how it progresses. Obviously, I think all eyes are on Lamar Jackson in terms of this year. That's the big one in terms of free agency. Yeah. What do Baltimore do when it comes to that decision? Um, we will wait and see. But um, let's go through a few of the games that had some backup quarterbacks in in terms of the scoreline. Steve already mentioned it, Kenny Pickett. We we talked on the pod last week. It felt like he was being thrown to the wolves. Um, I still think it's the absolute wrong decision to have brought him in for this game for this very reason. Thirty-eight to three. Not sure what that does for Kenny Pickett's confidence moving forward. Didn't obviously help that on uh, Buffalo's first play from scrimmage that Gabe Davis went ninety-eight yards from a Josh Allen pass. At one stage, <laughs> his, his stat line was bonkers, wasn't it? Two catches, two touchdowns for one hundred and sixty yards. Um, he's very much boom or bust, isn't he, Gabe Davis? But boy, when he booms, does he boom? Um, but the Bills looking like the best team in football over the last few weeks, um, you know, really bouncing back from that defeat to the Dolphins um, and ultimately now find themselves back in first position in that AFC East for the Steelers. You know, this is if Mike Tomlin can salvage a winning season from here, it will be the miracle of all miracles because they really, really do look desperate, really good ideas. 
I saw someone suggest earlier today, should Mike Tomlin be on the hot seat? I was like, are you high? The guy's one of the best coaches in the NFL. He hasn't a losing season in 17 years. Are you kidding me? This is this is what happens when Pittsburgh face a losing season. This is this is why <laughs> the gods keep him at at least five hundred, because the city of Pittsburgh will fall at the end of this year. <laughs> yeah, it will. Like I say, if he if he pulls it off, it will be a miracle. But it's hard to see, particularly with that schedule, that the the losing season may well be confirmed by week uh, nine at this rate. But we'll see how things progress. Other teams with backups we mentioned: Jacoby Brissett a moment ago, Cleveland twenty eight, the Chargers thirty. Um, story of missed field goals in this one for Cleveland. Cade York missing two um, with a potential game winner. With about 15 ticks left in the fourth quarter, the Chargers get over the line um, following a very questionable Brandon Staley fourth down call. It's got to be said to uh, actually almost give Cleveland the ball in field goal range um, with time almost expiring. Um, other ones, Geno Smith, Steve mentioned, 32 points the Seattle offense put up, but it was a... Can we call him a New Orleans Saint backup, Taysom Hill? I think, <laughs> yeah, I it's a bit of a strange one, isn't it? But um, you know, they finally remembered that they've got this ultimate gadget player who seemingly burst on the year a couple of years ago. Then there was all this talk about him actually playing quarterback, and he kind of disappeared for the best part of a season. But he seems to be getting a lot more love and snaps again this time around. And he was their star player, wasn't he? You know, four touchdowns combined, three on the ground, threw a pass in as well. Um, you know, he, he really did burst on the scene a couple of years ago, Steve, as I say, as the ultimate gadget player. Um, and when he's used in this role, you know, he, he's, he's genuinely really exciting to watch, I always think, whenever he's on the field. I think, unfortunately, if you allow um, if you allow him to score three rushing touchdowns against you, I think you have to forfeit the game. Like, come on. <laughs> come on, Seattle's defence. Like, come on. Three. One, I can understand. Two, maybe. But three. Like, come on. Um, yeah, I think as, as, it, it's a shame as well because as well as Geno Smith played, um, their defence just let them down. The Seattle defence is going to be the, the death of them this season. Uh, it's just not quite good enough. Um, but another great stat for you is that um, he uh, his three touchdowns that he had in the game yesterday, uh, sorry, Sunday, um, were more than Russell Wilson has in his last three weeks in Denver. Um, so it just shows you that the grass is not always greener for, for some people. No, most definitely, mate. Most definitely. Uh, Miami, we mentioned them a lot when we were talking earlier. Um, ultimately ended up with the third stringer playing for the majority of the game and the Jets the Jets improved, fellas, to three and two. Um, 40 points to 17. 40 points. The Jets, the high scorers in the NFL this week. Up. That's got to be a stat a long time in the making for the Jets to be the biggest point scorers on the week, I would have assumed. Um Dallas 22, the Rams 10. We talked a little bit about Cooper Rush, but Josh, let's talk about the Rams. Well, I'll tell you what, Steve, actually, now you, you take us through, mate, because I think you want to make a point on both of the Super Bowl teams from last year. So I'll, I will I will complete the segue, mate, by giving you the score from Sunday Night Football, which was Baltimore 19, the Bengals 17. Never in doubt when Justin Tucker lines up for a game winner, is it? And as usual, he split the uprights. Great um, bit of knowledge that Josh brought to my attention yesterday is that even if the goalposts were half a yard wide, Justin Tucker was that accurate with that final kick, he still would have won the game on Sunday night. That's how incredible this guy is. Um, but Steve, I've just given the scores there for the two teams involved in the Super Bowl last year and you want to make a point on both of those. 
I do, yeah. Just I'm Justin Tucker. There's never been a more money kicker in in the history of the NFL. Much to you guys' dismay, that he plays in your division, and and not only is he accurate, he can also do it from about three thousand yards away as well. So, yeah, what a what a kicker. But yes, um, here's my hot take for the week. Are you ready? Is everyone is everyone sitting down? My hot take for this week is that neither of last two's uh, Super Bowl contenders will make the playoffs this year. That neither of them are showing me anything that tells me that they are playoff teams. Um, I'll buy that stock. Absolutely. The Rams cannot protect Matt Stafford. He's been sacked 21 times, which is joint top in the NFL along with Matt Ryan. They've lost two starters on that offensive line, including Andrew Whitworth, who's now on uh, Amazon Prime's game day coverage for for Thursday Night Football, which I had the pleasure of watching in the US on on Thursday. I wish I bloody hadn't, but um, I had the pleasure of watching that. And so he's gone and they've lost another starter on the offensive line. They just cannot protect him. They just cannot. it's, and he's been sacked 21 times. And obviously there was all the questions leading into the, the season about his arm. And is that slowing down? Is it is he doing a bit of a Drew Brees where as he gets later into his career, his arm just starts to go? I don't think his arm seems to be the problem. I think it's also his receivers who just can't get downfield. They don't have a deep threat. Boy, am I glad that for the Philadelphia Eagles missed Alan Robinson because apparently they tried to sign him. But oh boy, he's been a bit of a bust. And, uh, you know, he had several years in Chicago where he was the, the shining light of an awful Chicago team. And I saw plenty of, of times when opponents would say, get Alan Robinson out of Chicago. Well, he's out of Chicago. He's on the Super Bowl winners. He's doing absolutely nothing. Um, you know, Cooper Cup has his games. He, he, Cooper Cup's one of the best receivers in the NFL, the reigning MVP. Um, so he's always reliable, but they just don't have a deep threat. And without that, they can't get down the field quick enough. And they just the, the O-line is being asked to protect him for too long and it's just it's not working and the offense is just not working it's the first time in a long time i've seen a um uh, seen a, a rams offense struggling under um under their coach it's 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 not it, it something's not right there and you know that I, I think they're they're um, it doesn't surprise me that they're they're losing games. And I think when you look at this game against uh, Dallas, I remember going into it thinking, all right, this is a Rams win easy. This is an easy Rams win. But it's the two and three, and they're just really struggling. Um, so that's that's one side. Of the, but the other side is is the Bengals. And they're the, it's funny enough, it's the same story. It's the same story. Joe Burrow is fourth in sacks with 18. You know, they, they spent all that money on the offensive line. And it, at the moment, it just doesn't seem to be working. You know, the guys are not uh, not sort of uh, don't have that chemistry yet. They don't seem to be. Uh, they're not playing it to the standard that they they should be. Um, you know, and obviously there's always the conversation with Joe Burrow about how he sort of brings a lot of these sacks on himself. But when you've been sacked 18 times through five games, that's just just under four a game. That's a lot. Um, you know, again, they're just not they're not doing enough to win games. Now, obviously, you know, a, a loss against a loss against divisional rival Baltimore is tough, and Baltimore are a good team, and I think a lot of people would have them up there as as um, probably divisional favourites and, and certainly a top four seed in the AFC this year. Um, but you, you know, this is the Bengals. They went to the Super Bowl. You know that you they, that didn't happen for no reason, and I think what interest what I find interesting is I never quite believed in Zach Taylor. I always thought like he had that last season that sort of pulled him out of the grave, and he managed to salvage it and get to the Super Bowl. And I wonder if last season was a bit of a flash in the pan. Now, obviously, how much can a Super Bowl appearance season be a flash in the pan? I don't know. It's even, you have to have some kind of skill to do that. But you know, is, is, is Zach Taylor's time up? Is it you know how long do they give it before they think well? We've got one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. We've got one of the best young wide receivers in the league. We've spent all this money on the line and nothing's happening. 
So, yeah, I think their struggles are evident to see. They're both two and three, and I think both of them miss out on the playoffs. Yeah, Josh, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll take a team each from there. I think I think we all know your view in terms of the Bengals season last year. So I'll give you the Rams, mate, to start us off. Um, <laughs> do you agree in terms of the Rams? You said straight away you were buying the stock. Um, so I'm assuming you're in agreement with Steve. Well, give us your take on the Rams. Yeah, um, I can see that you're castrating me with the Bengals one. So I'll uh, see what I can do here. Um yeah, with the Rams, it's very much that they can't perform against the good teams and they've got a lot of good teams on their schedule. And, they, you know, the passing game is either Cooper Cup or a lot of dinks to unknowns. That's not going to help you. This isn't a very Rams way to attack. It seems almost like a carbon copy of the last time that the Rams got to the Super Bowl. And then the season after, they were a relative non-starter. It seems that the uh, the circle is starting again, pretty much. And there are other teams that are doing a much better job, even in their own division. So, you know, right now, well, right now, the 49ers are doing a fantastic job. You know, first of all. Secondly, you know, if you put the Seahawks and the Rams in the same room at the moment, are you fully confident that the Rams beat them every time? Because right now, I probably trust Geno Smith more than I do Matthew Stafford. It just comes down then to the defense, of which, admittedly, Seattle's is not great. But yeah, realistically, division wise, they are at, at most second best, which means getting a wild card spot then let's take a look at the rest of the nfc we'll take a look at the north are the rams better than the vikings really say it's probably about six one half a dozen of the other head to the east not better than the eagles not better than the cowboys um trying to think of the rest of that division now the giants you know the giants might end up just being a sneaky wild card pick just because of their schedule and the fact that they're a very well coached team i can't personally believe it but the results are waving at me in the face at the moment and when you consider that ram schedule you know do they get to nine ten wins currently of which they're probably going to need in order to get a wild card spot so yeah i can i can definitely buy in on the rams not getting in of which seems mad after a, a few weeks back yeah, I think the um, I think it's a similar story for the Bengals as well because I think you know the the schedule is a killer. That first place finish obviously um, means such a difficult schedule the following year, um, and you only got to look at some of the games that they've got to play. And it's not just the games that they've got to play; it's the games that their opponents in the division haven't got to play. If you look at the Ravens' schedule in comparison to the Bengals' schedule, it is just unbelievable the difference between the two. Um, you know. I think in terms of the offensive line, it just hasn't clicked. Yes, it's been better in terms of the overall numbers the last couple of weeks. I think Steve said Burrow been sacked eight, 18 times. I think I'm right in saying 11 of those were in the first two weeks. So it's been seven in the next three weeks, if my maths is correct there. Um, so it's certainly not been as bad. Um, however, you know, it hasn't been as explosive um, as it was a year ago. And, you know, I think ultimately there are probably just better, more rounded teams within the AFC at the moment compared to Cincinnati. Um, I think the Ravens are 
probably, you know, I said this throughout the off season, the team to beat in the AFC North. So I think that they, you know, will will have to rely on a wild card similar to what you just said there with regards to the Rams. If you think that's the way that they're going to get to the the postseason dance, and you know, play the same game that you've just done there, you look around at other divisions and where people are likely to come from. The West has probably not lived up to the hype so far, but you'd imagine the teams that are in there have got, you know, too much talent to not sorted out between them between now and the end of the year for at least one of the wildcard teams to come from there. The East is off to a pretty strong start. You know, the Jets are probably punching above the weight a little bit, but we've also said they've got some really young, exciting playmakers on that offense. Um, you know, they don't, you know, you don't just score 40 points by a fluke. Um, you know, they've got some, some good talent to, to play with there. The Dolphins, if they can obviously get, you know, a quarterback back started the season, hot and have had, obviously had some injury issues the last couple of weeks. Um, so it's a difficult routine. So I don't think it's, um, I certainly don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility at all um, that both will miss out. If anything, I would say the most disappointing one of the two so far, though, has indeed been the Rams. Not just because they obviously are the Super Bowl champions, but I think as as you both alluded to, every time I see the Rams, and I haven't watched an awful lot of them um, because they're generally on in the light window. And if I'm honest, I tend to sort of tune into red zone once the early window's finished. Um, but every time I do see the Rams, it's either a completion to Cooper Cup or it's a turnover or it's a sack. That seems to be all that you get from the Rams. So they would probably be the bigger cause for concern. Let's go through some of the other scores in terms of courts we're concerned. It's all over in Carolina for Matt Rule. No more concern there. He is the first head coach uh, to go. We normally start start your hot seat um, tracker by the this time of the season, Steve. They've even beaten us to do it this year. Yeah, no, it was gonna it was gonna be a thing this week. I was like, right, week five. That's probably about enough time for someone to to uh, to appear on the hot seat. But the the week Panthers five. The, the Panthers have been so well. Week five for someone to realistically actually sack someone, and then the Panthers oh, no, have been come so on, bad. Week they've five, done it. we haven't even had a bye week yet. Yeah, well, they've been so bad. What the the wonderful thing for Matt Rule though, he'll he'll be thanking his lawyers who negotiated that contract in the first place, is that oh, yes. for the next for the next forty eight months he makes something like three hundred and eighty thousand dollars a month from Carolina Panthers. Oh, he's laughing all the way to the bank. And the the thing is with with Matt Rule is he's a good college coach, so he'll get a college job in this in the off season. He'll walk into a college job somewhere and he'll have that nice $400,000 coming in every month from the Carolina Panthers for the next four years. Nice work if you can get Why it. Why would nice you ever work, work again? Yeah, the Steve Bruce of the NFL. There you go. There's, there's, <laughs> there's, there's another man who'll never have to work a day in his life. But um, more importantly in this one, I suppose, Jimmy G, um, obviously now back in control of the San Francisco offense. Um, 37 points on the board running game going nicely. You know what you're going to get from Garoppolo's 49ers, and it's pretty much going to script. In terms of the Panthers, PJ Walker actually into the game, replacing Baker Mayfield, who has been a massive disappointment. Um, I don't get any pleasure in saying that as a, as a Browns fan either, um, but it really just has not worked out at all. He gambled on himself and it hasn't paid off. Interestingly, of course, though, coming out of this, is everyone now expecting a fire sale? Just very quickly, fellas. If Christian McCaffrey does go to the Buffalo Bills, should we just give them the Super Bowl now or should we just play the next 12 weeks for the hell of it? Well, I think the interesting thing is if if he does, is McCaffrey's got injury concerns. And I, I know, was just about to say, yeah. Can he, can he stay healthy? That's the thing. Um, be a hell of a piece for the Bills. I think they don't offload one of their own running backs because they've got about four. So they they'd probably offload someone. Yeah, but it's interesting. They'd have to well. unload a couple, actually. Their cap situation isn't great. 
yeah. you would you would see a fair i think they'd have to make six million up in cap space in order to have him but then also you're asking cmc like you rightly say steve to be healthy in january he can't be healthy mm. in november let alone <laughs> january he is, doesn't know is what january is exactly is this on the belief that he'll be injured in november and he'll be right for january perhaps and you Brian probably. Burns is the one for, to keep an eye on, though, as well. I think Brian Burns is going to be a lot of teams will be calling about him because he's a monster yeah. of a pass rusher. Yeah, Brian Burns, DJ Moore, Derek Brown. I think there's a few names to watch out for if people are willing to pay the compensation. The rumor is that Carolina will quote unquote eat the cap um, as they go full rebuild. Um, Ooh, that's like a five year rebuild then. <laughs> they need they need the picks as well because they've spent them all on quarterbacks. So <laughs> yeah, they're, pro- they're probably heading for number one overall. The way things are trending, aren't they? Um, games we haven't covered yet: Philly twenty, Arizona seventeen. Your boys continue to be the only undefeated side. Steve five and out, probably as close as anybody's pushed them though this weekend. Yeah, it was a nervous one towards the end. I thought the momentum had really shifted, but actually, this was one of those those tough games. Actually, it's good to get a couple of these through the season. Um, you don't want to blow every team out because then you don't know how to win tough, close games when it comes to when it matters. So, as a strange sort of way of saying it, I think it's good that someone sort of woke Philly up a little bit. Um, I really did think it was going to be um, uh, a dangerous one towards the end. That that fourth quarter drive from Jalen Hurts was really good, though, and sort of iced the game a little bit, but. We cannot stop without mentioning the absolute woefulness that was the Cliff Kingsbury slash Kyler Murray clock management towards the end when they see when he slid down short of the marker. They thought they had first and ten, so he spiked the ball. He did not have first and ten. He had third and three. No timeouts left, so they had to send the field goal unit on. And they showed in the game they showed the kicker Matt Amendola missing like four in a in a row wide right in the warm ups. And then he lined it to hit the kick. And as soon as he hit it, the core commentator went unbelievable. Because obviously the commentator had a better view <laughs> than we did. And it just sailed wide right. It was unbelievable. I can't believe he did it again. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, poor coaching decisions in Cliff Kingsbury in the same sentence. Where have I heard that before? It seems to be a recurring theme, doesn't it? Um, Houston get their first win of the season. There are no more teams without a victory. Houston 13, the Jags 6. A um, bit of a down-to-earth game for the Jags, although they did produce a lot more offensive yardage. Um, but Damian Pierce seems to be a nice running back that the uh, the Texans have found. Um, he's had a couple of nice games back-to-back now. Houston get their first win of the season. The Minnesota Vikings seem to be in cruise control up big against the Chicago Bears, 21-3 to at one stage, and then allowed the Bears to come actually all the way back into a lead before the Vikings get a late touchdown to get over the line. That's two sort of fourth quarter wins now in back-to-back weeks for the Vikings, Josh. They say good teams find a way to win. The Vikings at 4-1 and one with the resort in London, which we'll come to shortly. Um, the Vikings looking like a pretty good team, although they have got some question marks. It's better to be finding the answers to these whilst you're still finding ways to get Ws on the board. Well, yeah, I mean, we we obviously talk about the Browns on a different part and, you know, we're getting excited at the prospect of potentially, you know, looking at, you know, two and one, three and one, etc. And looking at that as a way forward, there's a very big difference between three and two and four and one. There's a bigger difference between four and one, two and three. And the Vikings, you know, they, they are finding ways, but... Let's stick the massive asterisk on it. 
the last three teams they've played are inferior to them on paper. You know, get the wins out of the way, absolutely. Just don't overhype them. You know, winning by a score against the Lions, the Saints and the Bears and all three of those situations being incredibly nerve, nerve-wracking ones at the finish. You know, let's let's just hit the brakes slightly. They are a above-average team at the moment. Wild-card team, quite possibly, but they are not bowling me over. Yeah, still, still definitely some things for them to sort out. We've mentioned most of the others, the ones that we haven't mentioned. Atlanta 15, Tampa 21. We've talked about it a little bit in terms of the... Uh, the crazy rough, uh, rough in the pass call on Brady, but again, this was another one where Tampa were up big, up by twenty-one points, and the Falcons threatened another comeback. They score fifteen unanswered in the fourth, uh, but Tampa get over the line to move to three and two, and Tennessee twenty-one, Washington seventeen. Um, Carson Wentz being well and truly thrown under the bus by Ron Rivera today. Um, Carson oh, yeah, Wentz just a been... bit. Yeah, Carson Wentz hasn't been good, but I've got to say that's pretty poor from the head coach. Um, interesting to see what kind of a bounce back, if any, Carson Wentz has on Thursday night football. And the game I've left to last, fellas, we've talked about it a few times, but the Giants 27, Green Bay 22. Wanted to mention it in its own right because obviously it was the big London game. The Packers completing the set in terms of teams coming across the pond. Josh, your thoughts on the game in terms of you know the sort of coverage of it and all of that kind of stuff? Uh, so, oh God, in terms of the coverage, uh, I hope that everyone was watching on Game Pass or Sky. That's all I'm going to say on that. Anyone that was subjected to ITV's free-to-air commentary, um, they say that free, that everything free isn't free. Well, that's very much the case if you had to listen to Darren Fletcher and whoever else was on the flipping call room, because that was terrible. I think if I ever hear the word quadzilla again, I'm going to just end up moving to a remote part of the world where I don't get any kind of signal. Um, the actual the, the actual build-up to it and everything else, I think that if you're a Giants or a Packers fan in the country, then this was probably the best worked London game that you could possibly find. You know, we obviously have Big Blue UK and Ireland as a network channel. They've had probably the busiest week I've ever seen a, a, a group of lads have on a London week. They had engagements up and down the city all through the week. The Packers, literally everything was green uh, on game day. So many fans came down. They made a real go of it as well it's just the fact that Aaron Rodgers decided not to give a go of it at all on the field so um yeah no the NFL smashed out the park again I think charging 60 quid for a foam cheese head is a bit of a ripoff uh some people did pay it though so I want to say congrats to the NFL marketing gods you have somehow made someone pay 60 pound for a bit of styrofoam how just tell me how to get that kind kind of level of persuasion going for the season guide because I don't get it. But yeah, the the game the game actually itself as well. I know you haven't really haven't asked me for that, but just a quick note on it. It shows that London does things to teams. You know, you've got to be so well coached and you've got to execute on a much different level because the game seems so different over here compared to when you play in the States. Um, You hear players talk about it quite often 
Um, you know, the preparations are massively different, etc. It just seemed like the Giants knew what to do a lot more and that the Packers realistically didn't seem like they wanted to be there. Yeah, it was um was a surprising result, Stephen, as we've alluded to. The Giants obviously moving to four and one. I think they're obviously the biggest surprise package so far on the season. But Brian Dayball, you know, is doing an, an excellent job with that group. Um, your views on the game, mate, and quick touch on both of the sides. Yeah, and and, and props to Mike Kafka as well, because he's his offensive coordinator and he's passed off play calling duties to him. And that's obviously paying dividends. Um you know, you've got to hand it to the Giants. I never thought I'd see the Giants at four and one. I think this is the first time both New York teams have had a winning record since something like 2016, like week 10 of 2016 or something. So it's it's pretty wild for them both to be in this position. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's it was a, a, an interesting game. I think there is a big old red flag here for me, and maybe I'm trying to be pessimistic because I'm a fan of a rival, but for me, it's alarming how much of this offense runs through runs through Saquon Barkley. If he goes down mm. again, they're done. They are absolutely done for. They so of their total offense on Sunday in London, Barkley accounted for forty three percent of it. That's almost half. If he goes down, what, what? What? How many points do they score? Three, seven, ten? Like you know, that's a lot to put on the guys of one on the shoulders of one guy who's who's had a serious injury already. So that'd be my only concern. But certainly, props to the Giants. They hung in there. Daniel Jones had a, had a game. You know, he played he played well. He did. I think from the from the Packers side of the ball, um, Aaron Rodgers isn't, isn't clicking with these receivers. Even Alan, Alan Lazard had a couple of bad drops. Um, something just isn't working. And their, their defence, which is meant to be like this shutdown defence, you know, guys like Jair Alexander and, 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 and that secondary that they've got, which is supposed to be really good, it's just not working. It's just not clicking right now. Um, and I think that defensive coordinator might well be a... Um, uh, a potential candidate to be uh, on the hot seat because they need to improve and they need to improve quick. And I think one thing just quickly that I would say is in regards to the Packers and looping in with some of the teams we've already discussed, at the start of this season, we had a general consensus of a top three in any order of the NFC, which was the Packers, the Bucks, and the Rams. I don't think I'd put either of those three teams in the top three anymore. I don't think I don't think either of them are even the potential. I mean, maybe the Bucks, the best team in their division, but you know, you could make arguments that none of them are the best team in their own division, let alone in the NFC. You know, the Eagles, the the, the Cowboys, and the Niners right now, I think, are the hot teams in the NFC, and the Vikings and the Giants are close behind. So, you know, it's it's interesting to see how they come back from this. This was something that apparently Aaron Rodgers was always wanting to do to come over to London, and it's ended with a really poor defeat. Um, one quick thing as well is I'm not a fan of this of the, the safety rule when it's used like that. I know they they lose two points and I know they give it up, but it just feels unfair. Like because then they just oh get my a free god, it's totally it fine. The they just get a free kick to kick it down the field when otherwise yeah, because they, they're paying if, for the points. They're paying for the pleasure two, through points. Yeah, two points though. I just in that situation, it just feels like it's not fair. Like it, you know, it's, it just get a free score kick more points early. So, Score more points early. Yeah, if that had happened to any, anyone other than the Packers, you wouldn't be taking this view. Yeah, no. I, fair, the, the Rams did it the other week, didn't they? The Rams did the exact same thing a couple of weeks back, and I thought, clever. Yeah, yeah do it. But, but, look, let, let's not get into a massive debate. We're 55 minutes in. We can talk about this another week. I'm We're doing this. I think, I think a defensive <laughs> safety, fair enough, a deliberate safety should probably come with a harsher penalty. I think we'll just... 
we'll just leave it at that for this week. We'll talk about it when you're on holiday, so you won't get your point. <laughs> across, don't you worry about it. Don't you worry about it. Let's finally. Yeah, how how about you have to kick it from the ten instead of the twenty? We'll we'll come. Me and Steve will come up with an answer in the next fortnight. Yeah. Don't you worry. Let's quickly look at the Pickham's League because um, we've got the goal line. Louise is still on top, so until she's not on top, we'll definitely keep mentioning it every week. So Louise extend her lead at the top over Josh. Um, yeah. and do you know what? Fair play, bit of girl power. We've got two ladies in the top five, so uh, well done to Louise, well done to Rachel, both in the top five, both above me as well. So that shows you about what, how much I know or what I don't know about the NFL, doesn't it? But um, difficult week yeah, this week. The, 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 the week point breaks six. only eight, Sean. Yeah, the point break yeah. to Louise is only eight, mate. There's still a lot of football to play. Plenty to play for, mate. Get your picks in for next week. I'm going to do those now while I've got it loaded up. As I alluded to, me and Steve will be back next week. Monday is scheduled, I believe, unless Villa or Newcastle on Monday Night Football, which I don't believe they are. Um, so we'll be back next Monday to review week number six. We'll probably be joined by either Dave or James. They'll confirm that, but there'll be a three-man booth, as it usually is. Josh, enjoy your weeks off, mate. Pleasure as always. Steve, great to have you back. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Make sure you subscribe to all things Full 10 Yards. Listen to the other podcasts throughout the week. Ridicule Josh's power rankings that come out tomorrow. It's all go. We're, well, the, the winning thing is, fellas, we're already a quarter of the way through the season. Over a quarter of the way through the season. Told you it would fly by. Until next week, though, we will see you all very soon. <laughs>